Look to our precious Jesus today who saves, heals, delivers, and blesses. This is your day for a miracle. Rise and be healed. On yesterday's program, you witnessed an incredible miracle which took place during one of Pastor Benny Hinn's Monday night services in California. You feel that too right there, huh? Look at her laughing at me. Jesus. A woman who was diagnosed with leukemia received a healing touch from Jesus and then returned to give glory to God in the next service one week later. Look at you there. Look, look at you. Huh? Can you identify? Wait, wait, wait. Remain, all of you remain standing. Can you identify with that lady over there? I don't know her. Yesterday, you also heard the first part of Pastor Benny's uplifting and empowering message on worship, the key to entering God's presence. Three things are associated with worship. Thanksgiving, praise, and then worship. Say thanksgiving. Say praise. Say worship. Now, we have to understand all three before we understand worship. We have to understand what thanksgiving is and why, what praise is and why, and then how we enter into worship. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship are different from each other. Because we thank God for what He does. We praise God for His great acts. But we worship Him for His holiness. I want to say that again because it's so important. Thanksgiving is connected to what the Lord does in our life. While praise is connected to what great acts He does in the world and in our lives. Worship is connected to who God is in His essence, His nature. Now, join Pastor Benny as he concludes this message on the importance of worshiping our Heavenly Father so we can hear His voice, obey His commands, and enter into His rest. Psalm 95, verse 1. One more time. I read it earlier, but I wanted to look at something and look at the change of moods halfway. Come! I'm doing it purposely. I'm screaming. Come! Let us sing unto the Lord and make a joyful noise. Nothing quiet about this. It's a time of incredible noise. Watch verse 2. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise. Here again. With Psalms. Why? For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills are his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Now, this is something amazing, because what we see is a lot of noise in verse 1 and verse 2. And then verse 3, verse 4, and verse 5 tells us why we ought to be noisy. Because he's a great God. A great king above all gods. Because in his hands are the deep places of the earth, and everything on earth is held up by strength. And he made, the Bible says, the sea 
and everything else in between and the dry land. So here we see a crowd of people just shouting. Praise then is very noisy. And right after that, the mood changes. When you get to verse 6, Nothing knows about that. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. No shouting here. But nobody can worship unless they learn how to praise. And nobody can praise unless they learn how to thank Him. It's a process. Now, why worship? Here, here we come to the heart of the matter. Because now in verse 6 and verse 7, we are very quiet. And then we'll, we read something amazing in verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Stop right here. Why do I praise him and thank him? Because he's a great God, a great king. He's above all gods. Why do I thank him and praise him? Because in his hands are the deep places of the earth, and the strength of the hills are his, and the sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed dry. Everything that, he, that I see is his, so I praise him. Why do I worship him? Because he's my God. And I am his sheep. Meaning something powerful. If he's my God... then he's worthy of my worship. Men can praise. Men can thank and praise. But men cannot worship. Because only the Holy Ghost can worship. Only the Holy Ghost can take over in that moment. And we are dismantled, dismissed. All we do is surrender and the Holy Ghost takes over. And tears become our language. How many of you know what I just said? Put your hands up high. You stand still and know He is God. Everything in you starts to worship. Now, the minute you worship, and please hear this because it's so powerful. The minute you worship, that's what gives him control over you. Because who we worship always gains control over us. Worship is telling whoever we worship, you have me. You are my master. I am your possession. So those who worship Satan are giving him control. And those who worship God are giving him control. Because the scripture says he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. 
Worship gives God permission to control us. We're telling him, I am yours. But it tells us something else. Not only he's our God, that's why I worship him, but I am, we are the people of his pasture. So then worship is the response of his care for me. If I am, if we are the people of his pasture, if we are the sheep of his hand, it means we are under his care. And because we are under his care, our response is worship. Now, it's amazing that the, the psalm does not end here. It continues with something quite alarming. The next thing we read today, if you hear his voice, that tells me something awesome. Only worship enables me to hear his voice. I can thank him and never hear it. I can praise him and never hear it. But I cannot worship without hearing it. Worship opens my ears to hear his voice. And then it says something else. Harden not your heart. Against what? Against worship. As in the days of the provocation or temptation. In the desert. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation. And said it is a people that do err in their heart. They have not known my way. Stop. What, what is it they didn't know? They didn't know how to worship. Do you know that Israel thanked him and praised him for 40 years? Nobody worshipped him except Moses and Joshua. Very few. Anybody listen? Anybody hearing me? So when they saw his acts, they began shouting. Remember when he, when he opened the Red Sea, they, 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 they were thanking him. They danced, made a sound. Miriam led them in praise. Remember that? Nobody worshipped. When he, he, he did one miracle after another in the desert, often we see the people of Israel thanking him and praising him. No, nobody worshipped him. So what did he say? He said, for 40 years you would not worship me. I was grieved because you didn't worship me, and I vowed because you did not worship me, you'll not see rest. That's awesome. So only those who worship are promised rest. That is awesome. Anybody listening to me tonight? I can thank him, no rest. I can praise him, no rest. But I cannot worship him and not no rest. What is rest? Well, first of all, I want to say something that's quite powerful. This really sets two decisions before me. One, will I worship? Two, will I refuse to worship? If I worship, I'm granted a great privilege. I'll hear his voice because the next thing we read today, 
because I've just been commanded to worship. Let us worship, bow down, kneel before our God. He's our maker. I worship him because he's my God. And I worship because I am, we're his people and the sheep of his pastor because he cares for us. We worship him. But as I worship today, then if I worship, I will hear his voice. But then he tells Israel, don't harden your heart by refusing to worship me because for 40 years you would not do it. For 40 years you tempted me, proved me. You saw my works. For 40 long years I was grieved with that generation who would not worship. And I said, it's a people that do err in their heart and don't know anything about me. They have not known my ways. Wow. What did Moses ask God for? Show me thy ways. He didn't say, show me your power. He said, show me thy ways. When he saw his ways, what did he do? He fell on his face and worshipped. Wow. And then, unto whom I swear in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. Now, I've always been amazed by certain scriptures. In Jeremiah 7, 23, for example, we are told, if we hear his voice and, and obey, there will be rest. I command them, saying, Obey my voice, I'll be your God. You shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I've commanded you. That it may be what? Well with you. That's rest. All right, one more thing. John 10, 27. You, look, you need to look at this. John 10, 27 on the screen, please. My sheep hear my what? And I know them and they follow me. But who are the ones who know his voice? Only worshipers. If I don't worship, I can't hear it. And if I cannot hear it, I cannot follow. So only worshipers can follow the Lord. Everybody else cannot. People, are you getting this? If I worship, I hear His voice. That's what it says in Psalm 95, very clearly. And if I hear His voice, I'm a sheep. And if I hear His voice and I'm a sheep... Then I'm going to follow him. You know that sheep in the natural, they say they cannot see the shepherd, but they only look for the voice. They can't see the guy. They're just listening to the voice. And they follow the voice. Wow. Like us, we cannot see him, but we can hear his voice. Hallelujah. Worship then unplugs your ears with his voice. And then you have this amazing scripture I'm going to close with. Hebrews 4.9. It says something quite powerful. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest hath ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us labor, verse 11. Let us labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. You know why they, they could not worship? Because they didn't believe. They questioned everything God said. You know, when I experienced worship for the first time in my life, you really want to know? In Catherine's meetings. Never one time do I remember having a moment of worship 
in Canada because there was a lot of noise. That's all. Because they, 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 they knew how to thank and praise, but nobody knew how to worship. And nobody ever saw a miracle in those churches. You can thank and praise and no power. But you worship, there's always power. Wow. But worship demands that we get to know him real good. So here, here, here are the four steps. Worship. Hear his voice. Obey his voice. Rest. Wow. That's it. In fact, if you really want to look at it, there's really seven steps. I gave you four because the, what comes before that is the thanksgiving and the praise and so on. But really, once you begin to worship, there's four things that will happen one after another. You worship him, you hear his voice, you obey his voice, and you rest. So my piece of, my piece of counsel to you tonight, don't miss his rest. Learn how to worship so you can rest. Now close your Bible. I'm done teaching. That is one of the most powerful things I can talk about, is worship, because I've been there. You cannot give what you haven't got. You cannot give away what you don't have. See? I've been there. Now let's lift our hands first and thank Him. We'll worship in a moment, but let's thank Him. Out loud, come on. Remember what I told you, it's quite noisy. Come on, lift your hands and praise and thank Him. Audibly, 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 audibly. Pick up those instruments audibly. And I pick up the key and I just want to praise you, lift my hands, say I love you. And I want to praise you lift my hands and say I love you you are everything to me and I exalt your holy name I Thank you for watching the program today. I pray the Lord will bless you richly. I want to talk to you today about what the Bible has to say in the scriptures about giving, the balanced message of giving in the Word of God. Paul the Apostle was raising an offering for the church in Jerusalem because of the famine, and he wrote to the church in Corinth, which is present-day Greece, these amazing words in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning at verse 1, and now I would like to read from verse 1 to verse 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liber liberality. Now, he was talking about the, the grace of God abiding on them because of their desire to give to the Lord's work. For to their power I bear record 
Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Notice that he calls giving the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And I think that's the key when it comes to giving. Once a person has given his life, everything else is easy then. They have given themselves to, to the Lord and unto us by the will of God in so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, meaning that I'm going to send Titus to you, the church in Corinth, to remind you of the promise you made to help the saints in Jerusalem. And then he said this, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace or in giving also. Amazingly, Paul the Apostle says here that you are to raise your giving to the level of your love or begins here, he says, therefore as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love, see that you abound in this grace also. What he was saying is, if you're walking in love and you love the Lord, you're walking in full faith, you're walking in the knowledge of God's Word, in being diligent when it comes to the Lord, then you have to also raise that giving, which is called the grace here, to the same level. So giving is in the Bible, but why do we do it? Why do we give? And he says this, because it's all there in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. So when I love someone, what do I do? I give them something. That's one of the languages of love anyways. When I love someone, I show it to them by my actions and so much more, by the things I say, by the things I do, because love is something we do. It's not something we just say, it's something we do. When we give to the Lord's work, we're telling him, I love you, Lord. I love your gospel, Lord. You've touched my life, Lord, and I wanna see others touched like I was blessed. When someone is healed or saved or delivered, you wanna give because you want to see others blessed with salvation, healing, and deliverance. So today, let's give to the Lord's work because we love Him, because we adore Him, because we love His gospel and the mention of the name of Jesus. Let's do it today. God bless you. This is your day for a miracle. At 21 years of age, Susan Ivey was diagnosed with an incurable disease. 
The doctor's report stated, there is identifiable change in both cerebral hemispheres consistent with multiple sclerosis. My mental facilities were just not there and, and I couldn't talk. I, I couldn't find my words to talk. If I were to go into a, a crowd of people and everything, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to carry on a conversation because I couldn't find my words. And it was embarrassing. It was very embarrassing. As the years went by, Susan's symptoms grew worse, but she knew that God was the answer. I was really leaning heavily on the verse, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord who are called according to His purpose. And I knew that since I was nine years old, I had been called according to His purpose. So I knew that, um, that the Lord was going to provide and He was going to take care of me. One afternoon while watching This Is Your Day, Susan noticed that people were getting healed. She also heard that Benny Hinn was coming to Atlanta for a crusade, and she told her family that she wanted to go. About a week or two before the Benny Hinn uh, meeting, I got together with some of my friends and we um, used anointing oil as a contact to go ahead and start praying for my mom. So we had already covered this meeting in prayer. So Susan and her family went to the Benny Hinn crusade in Atlanta on October 15, 2004, expecting a miracle. So here we are inside this, this crusade and the atmosphere was electric. The atmosphere was so overwhelmingly God. After the altar call for salvation, that's when Benny Hinn started speaking about the healing power of God and that God is our healer. It was about that moment and my mom felt the wind of the Holy Spirit come all over her body. I grabbed her hand and I just started crying profusely. I just was weeping with just such passion and just, just the Lord came on me and I knew I had to bring my mom down there and she was gonna get healed. They see this? Yeah. See, that, see that smile? Yeah. Look at that smile. I can see it. Isn't that a beautiful smile? Yes, you This bet. young man is 19 years old. You know why he's smiling? Uh -uh. Because when his mother had him, she had MS. He's known her with MS for 19 years of her life, of his life, because she's had MS for 26 years. Oh, dear God. But the power of God came upon her tonight. He's smiling because he's never seen his mother basically out of the wheelchair or out of the bed. She could walk just a little bit. But I want you to see what his mother is doing now. And People, that's why he's smiling. Stand up and give the Lord a mighty shout, please. Pastor, that's why he's smiling. People, people, yeah, you've got to give the Lord a big shout on the count of three. One, two, three, go. She went in there that night in a wheelchair, and she left that night pushing her wheelchair. I knew she was well. She was jogging the back hallways in the, in the stadium that night, jogging. We, we walked probably three miles that night. I have no MS. Uh, the thing is, I know this, I know this because my MRI says I have no MS. My own doctor out of his own mouth says my disease has turned itself off and he has no explanation for it. I know I have no MS because of the way that I feel. I mean, I can do things that I couldn't do before. And uh, it's amazing. And it's been two years, two years I have been like this. My mom was sick all of my life and beyond. And now she's well. And God did it. How could you not smile? That's one thing I really loved about the ministry. Not only do you hear the message of salvation, but then you get to see, you get to see the power, the power of the Lord in action. People getting healed, and it's just like good.